Thanks, Jesse. Thanks, Neville. Um, and great to see you all this morning. I uh, hope this isn't too distracting. Uh, change things up. I know sometimes that can uh, catch people unaware, but um, just love what we want to what we want to communicate. When I say when I say we, me and David are going to we're going to do a bit of a tag team here this morning. I'm going to share for ten minutes or so, and then David's going to come and and um, and finish it off, and then the guys are going to Judith and Paul are going to lead us in worship. And so, what I want to share this morning. Um, I would just love that uh, that our response to what we're looking at, um, that rather than just finishing and leaving, that we would be able to reflect and respond as best as possible. And uh, and as Jesse has already prayed beautifully, that, that we would be real and authentic. And that is my heart today. My heart is that um, there would be an authenticity in, in what we are what we're saying and what we're doing, what we're thinking about, and in our, in our uh, reflecting and worship at the end. Um, so yeah, um, we're in the, in the next beatitude. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, sixth beatitude. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And, uh, and just, as I, just as I was beginning to prepare for this, uh, this message this week, I found myself, um, I suppose all of, the, all of the Beatitudes that we've looked at, we're, we've said that, the, that the, the first part of it is what it is to be crucified with Christ, what it is to lay down our lives, the poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who are meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And the, and the second half of the Beatitude is what resurrected life, what it looks like to be resurrected in Christ. Paul said in Galatians 2 verse 20, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. He also says that the old is gone and the new has come. And so this desire, especially in these days that we're in, that we would see God. See, we've talked about it enough. This is not this is not a future tense that we're talking about. This is not a reality in the future. This is something that is available now. This is a of the kingdom, which Jesus said 2,000 years ago was among us. It was at hand. The kingdom has come. And, uh, and what Jesus is communicating here is, a, is an expression of what the kingdom looks like. And so this is not just something that is in the distance. This is not something that we just get to experience when, when we die, this is available to us now to see God. And, I, and as I watch the news, as I see that what, how, we're, how things are going right now, I'm longing. I think we should be as followers of Jesus, as the church of Jesus, that we should have this incredible desire to see God. We need longing. We're, we're desperate to see you, God. And, and so... What is it to be? What does it look like to be pure in heart? If we were to think about what we looked at last week, God, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And I think it's important for us, as I, as I sort of pointed out towards the end of our time together last week, that for some of us, we actually just need to show mercy to ourselves. We just need to know and experience the mercy of God for ourselves. 
Um, and so God's mercy takes care of the things that we want to hide. And so again, the, the highlight where Jesse has led us in prayer this morning, this desire for each one of us to be real and authentic, that's what it's going to require. It's going to require all of those things that we keep hidden, all of those things that we are, uh, as followers of Jesus, that we're so tempted to keep hidden because what would people think of us if we exposed it to the light? What if that shadow self that, that, is, um, that is hidden the shadow self that uh, contains all of the parts that we want to ignore, all of the parts that we want to keep hidden, what would it be like if we recognize and acknowledge and knew and experience that God's mercy wants to take care of all of the things that we want to hide? As so we want to bring everything, and we can bring everything into the light of day in all of its mess and all of its chaos. See, this is really important. It's really important that we do this. And so whenever we come to think of this, this uh, what this actually means, the purity of heart, what is it to be pure of heart? And I want to suggest to you, I'll not just leave it at one line, but I want to suggest to you that it is a single-mindedness on God. The purity of heart, it is a single-mindedness on God. If I can draw your attention to James chapter 4, verse 8, I think we're going to be find ourselves in James two or three times here this morning. But in James chapter 4, verse 8, he says this line, Purify your minds. Purify your hearts, sorry. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. I don't think that's necessarily as harsh as that might sound. James says it, what, it maybe be good. Maybe we could have that as our, uh, as our new COVID-19 slogan. Before that, he says, wash your hands, you sinners. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. This idea of being double-minded is what I would love us to, to consider. The, the message version, um, Eugene Peterson translates these words in the message, the same verse, James 4, verse 8. Quit dabbling in sin and purify your inner life. Purify your inner life. See, purity is not about what we do. The religious leaders that Jesus was confronting over and over again had been convinced that purity, purity of heart was all about what we did, what we do. And Jesus goes on, and we'll, 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 we'll look at that if we continue on through this, this sermon that Jesus preached here. But he goes on, he go, he, in Matthew 6, he really goes after this idea of it's not about what you do. It's not about being seen. It's not about the external Jesus says in Matthew 6, like whenever you pray, don't let, don't let people see. Don't make a big show of it. Don't make a big show of your giving. Don't make a big show of your fasting. It's because it's not about the external. It's not about what the focus for so many of the religious leaders. And, and it's, we can blame the Pharisees. We can point fingers at the Pharisees, but we can so often fall into the same ditch. We can get sucked into the same trap that the outside is everything. The outside is what's so important. We make our certainty an idol. We make what's black and white an idol, and we end up leaving people on the outside. Those that don't, those that don't reach this impossible standard that we set for ourselves and for others, because we're so about the external that we end up keeping those people on the outside and. Jesus battled with that over and over again. You're making it hard for those to enter the kingdom. You're putting yokes and burdens on people that you never were supposed to put 
on to people. And so we can fall into this ditch of focusing on the external of, being, of it all being about what's taking place on the outside. And again, if I can point, point to James chapter 2, let me just make sure I'm getting this right. James chapter 2, verse 14 to 17. And if I can read it from the message again. Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half starved and say, good morning, friend, be clothed in Christ, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? And so it's another ditch that we can fall into. We can fall into this ditch where, it can become, where we focus on the external, but we can also... We can also come to the Thursday, Thursday night prayer meeting. We can pray all the right words and say all the right things, believe all of the right things and be, be incredibly contemplative and be incredibly prayerful and exercise faith in what we're praying and believing for. But James is pretty strong when he says that if that is outrageous nonsense if you're believing all the right things and praying all the right things, but it never leads to doing anything. And so we're, we're, we're caught in, the, in these, we can f go to one side and, f and fall into a trap, or we can go to the other side and fall into a trap. And so we're wanting to know, and we're wanting to acknowledge, and I want to, to say, and I've battled with it and wrestled with it this week, I have a divided heart. It's the, it's, it's the reason that I, that I get into so much bother in my mind. It's the reason why we, we get into so much struggle is because we have divided hearts. And so today I would love to be saying we, we need to reconcile our inside with our outside. We need to reconcile all of the things that, we, that we're, we're contemplating, that we're thinking about. We need to reconcile it with what is going on in the outside. When our actions and our hearts are completely different, we have a divided heart. When our actions and our heart is so different, we, have, uh, we don't have a, a whole heart. We don't have a pure heart. Richard Rohr talks about the false self versus the true self. We become so conditioned to compartmentalize our lives compartmentalize our lives we put we put certain areas of our lives in little compartments little boxes and 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 slide them off into the shadows slide them off into the darkness never to be exposed to the light never to to allow wholeness to take place never to allow purity to take place and so this single-mindedness that we're longing for it infuses everything it infuses our words and our actions, our motives, our desires. There's a story of the, the prodigal son that we, many of us, I'm sure, in the room uh, are familiar with. I love what N.T. Wright, I didn't realize this until during the week, but N.T. Wright calls this the story, doesn't, he doesn't refer to it as the prodigal son. He refers to this story being all about the running father. It's all about the running father and uh, and so it's just I've been thinking about I've been thinking about this idea of the purity of heart, that we that we the wrestle is with a divided heart. And I'm looking at these two sons, and the truth is the reality is that both sons have heart issues. 
to the younger son, we, we know the younger son's issues. He gave away his purity, for instant self-gratification. And often, often we can find ourselves in that place. For instant self-gratification, we give away our purity. We give away our single-mindedness that would inform our actions, our motives, our desires, being on God. But the older, older son, as we've come to know, I think, we've come to recognize that the older son's heart issues were, were in many ways no different. His heart issues was doing the right things, in inverted commas, was doing the right things at the cost of living and loving. He, his heart issues were as, were as deep and as, and as wide as the younger son. The younger son gave his purity away for self-gratification. The older son, his issue was doing the right things at the cost of living and loving. And both of these heart issues prevented both sons from being able to see their father. Both heart issues prevented them from being able to see their father. And I think that's why N.T. Wright calls this, the, the, calls this parable the running father because that's what it's all about. It's all about one who is, is, is self-giving, is ever self-giving, is always merciful, is completely loving. And because of the hard issues of the younger son and the older son, both of them were unable to see their father for who he truly, truly was. And just this morning as I sat down at the back just praying and, and, and just trying to get my heart set, get myself ready for this morning, I just, I just, recognize, you just recognize and realize that this is an open-ended story. And I think it's an open-ended story for a reason. So we don't know, like we don't fully know how the younger son reacted when this party took place. We're left not fully aware. We don't have that satisfactory ending to the story. We don't know if the older son, did he finally give in? Did he finally come to the party? We don't know it's open-ended. I think it's open-ended because we too have the same choice as the sons had. It's an open-ended story because we have the choice of accepting the father's welcome or not. We have the choice of accepting, will we see him for who he truly is? Will we see him for who he truly is? Will we bring our shadow selves out into the light? And when we do that, I am convinced because he is merciful and kind and loving, because he does not count our sins against us, because he is longing to see all being reconciled, we begin to put our hearts back together. And if that's how we get to see God, then I want that. If that's how we're going to get to see God, that is what I want. I want, uh, I want this purity of heart. I want to reconcile all of these heart issues. I want to bring everything out into the light. I want to reconcile the inner self with the outer self. This is for now. This is present tense. This is not just for some future reality. This is for now. That's so what David's going to come and, and, and finish out, finish this off. But I want to come back really quickly to James chapter 4, verse 8. And before James says to purify your hearts, you double-minded, he says, come near to God and he will come near to you. That's my longing for us as, as David would uh, ground this and we come to a place of worship. 
that we would come near to God. And that is the only way. That is the only way we're ever going to reconcile the inner self with the outer self is by coming close. Coming close to the Father. Coming close to God. The promise is that he will come near to us. And as we come close to love and we come close to mercy and to kindness and to joy, that is what is going to purify our divided hearts. That's what's going to bring wholeness and reconciliation to our divided hearts. So David, come on ahead and, uh, and ground this for us and then you guys will lead us in worship. Longer than 10 minutes, Neil, but we learned about mercy last week, so we're going to give you mercy and give me some. Hopefully, I'll be as quick as I can. Um, so just following on from, from Neil, uh, we were, were talking about the inside. I want to talk a little bit about the inside and the outworking of that to the outside. And I want to start off um, with the question, what is the gospel doing in your life? So as we're thinking about what this inward change is, the purity there is going to be a visible display of the inward and the outward of the gospel, the reality of the gospel that Jesus died for you and has come to forgive your sins, to set you up right now with everything that he has for you. Um, he has an inheritance that's available right now for you to give away, for you to use, for you to have abundance of. Is that visible? Is there a visible outworking of the gospel inwardly and outwardly? Is it active and alive in you? Is it active and alive at you, in you? So uh, forgive me, men, some of this you will have heard uh, already, but we're going to go into a wee bit deeper this morning. Uh, this week I heard a, a great illustration, and it goes really well um, with what we're reading this morning in Matthew 5, verse 8. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. The inward results in an outward of seeing the living God. And so uh, it talks about cleaning a cup. Now, if you're doing the dishes, I know in this, house, in this, uh, in this building a lot of us men, we do the dishes. All right. If I just clean the outside of my, um, my Starbucks mug and I keep putting my coffee and my cream in it every single day, what do you think it's going to be like at the end of the week? Disgusting, grimy, oily. And what I found in myself, so I'm not preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself, is that I do the same with the gospel. I do the same with things that I want. I continually make the outside look good, Okay. I make it look good with how I say, with how I act, with how I think I should act, with how I think I should respond to someone asking me a question. But actually what's happening inside is there's decay happening because I'm not addressing the inward things that need, that need cleaned. And so if we're going to do this right, we have to start with the inside of the cup. Because as we watch the inside of the cup, the outward naturally becomes clean. So it's easy to get the outside clean. It's the inside that is harder. Um, Matthew 5, verse 8 in the message, Neil's already read it. It says, you're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. As we clean the inside, there is a, there is, um, a beauty of God seen on the outside. Again, in the Passion Translation, it said, What bliss you experience when your heart is pure, for then your eyes will open to see more and more of God. Um, the original of that can be translated uh, as they will see God or they will. And the Greek, they made it a wee bit easier, so they translated it this. They will progressively see God. 
So what it's saying here is if we start to clean the inside of the cup, if we start to get the inside matters, the inside structure, these practices, the beautiful things as we watch Jesus, then we're not only going to catch a glimpse of God today, but we're going to progressively see him more and more and more and more. The more we become like him on the inside, the more it shows on the outside. And progressively, we are going to see more of Jesus. But what do you think is going to happen when we see more of Jesus? Come on, put your hands up. Ready to talk? What's going to happen when we see more of Jesus? Who else is going to see more of Jesus? Those around us every single day are going to see these beatitudes in action, the mercy, the love, the peace that he brings as we progressively, personally, because this is a personal thing as well as a community thing. But it's birthed out of a place of love. All of this is birthed out of an alignment of our hearts with the Father on a daily basis. So the practical things that I'm going to talk about are all birthed in the heart issues, the alignment with the Holy Spirit, the wanting to listen to him, to hear his voice. Uh, Jesus said, I only do as, I, as the Father does. What I see him do, I do. What does that mean? What does it mean? It means that you have to take time to watch. It means that Jesus had to take time to listen and then do. So if Jesus had to do it, how much more for us to be pure of heart do we have to start there? We have to start with stopping, taking time, listening, and it indicates that Jesus paid attention. I don't know about you, but I miss a lot of things in my house that Nicholas says because I'm not paying attention. How much more important is it that I stop on a daily basis to pay attention to what the rhythm of heaven is saying in my life? In Deuteronomy um, 30 verse 15, the whole chapter is set up and it's called a call to return to the Lord. And this is how I want to introduce these practical things that we can do to align our hearts with the Father for the purity of heart to result in us and others around us seeing the face of God. Because we get a choice. You know that? We have a freedom of choice. Some of us, we've chosen to be here today. Some of us, you're still at home watching it. That's great. Some of us might not be watching or listening at all. But we've made a choice this morning. In Deuteronomy 30, uh, it says this. Now listen, today I am giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. Listen. I am giving you a choice. What do I mean by this? Now, these are two very crude examples, but bear with me. I like to go to the gym, and uh, I'm nearly 40 now. So if I just go to the gym with a coffee, not much happens. So I take a thing called pre-workout, okay? This is not, I'm not selling this. But when I take this, do you know what happens? Something happens on the inside of me. It's very explosive. I'm not talking about other things. It's explosive with energy. And so when I take this, something happens inside of me and I start to get like, oh, energetic. I, could, I think I could lift 10 of these tables in one go. It's brilliant, it's brilliant. But something also happens. I have the choice. And a lot of the time I make the right choice because I see Andrew there and he's working hard and I'm not working quite as hard as him. Uh, but I have a choice whether or not I use the energy that this has given me to work out. Okay, you're starting to get it? I, have, I still have a choice, even though something's going on inside. I have a choice to use it. Now, secondly, sometimes I play a bit of golf. Not very well. I can't use my drivers. If anybody wants to teach me how to do that, that's good. Now, this is a golf ball. 
so pretty on the outside, isn't it? So shiny, comes in different colors. Bounce, this is maybe a cheap one, doesn't bounce so well. But what we don't know about the golf ball is that there is an interior. Can anybody see that? I spent half an hour sawing this this morning. The thing is with this, it looks good on the outside, but if it didn't have this structure on the inside, if it didn't have this filling specifically made to put, go inside of it, it would not fulfill the job that it was made for. And so with you and me, we can look good, we can have all the bells and whistles, the right names, the right stamps, whatever, on the outside, but if we do not have what in this interior structure that we were created to have, then we will not fulfill what we were created to do. And there are so many people who are walking around and they're an empty shell because they do not have that living Jesus inside of them that they are connecting with on a daily basis. They're not getting in touch with the rhythm of heaven and asking God, what is it that you created me to do? Because I'm telling you, in this room this morning, each one of you have something special and unique that he created you to do. Matthew 7, 26 says, But everyone who hears my teaching and does not apply it to his life can be compared to the foolish man who built his house on sand. So let me finish off with the practices, the, the, the practical ways. This will be quite quick. So when we look at Jesus' life, people um, relate it to practices or call it the way of Jesus. He spent time with the Father. Look at how he reacted in different situations. Look at the language he used. Look at the people he hung out with. He was in that position because of the practices that he had in his life, the things that he held closely, and this was linked to his heart. He, uh, when we look at Jesus, he had so much time for the Father. He had so much time for the little children. He had time for the people on the outside that nobody else even wanted to look with, or because of the outward appearance, they didn't dare to be seen with. He was full of kindness. He was full of mercy. He was full of justice, peace, and love. But how did Jesus get to that place? I believe it was the rhythm of his life that affected the inward structure of his very life that was then shown on the outside. Um, I've read a book during lockdown. I would really recommend it. It's called Practicing the Way. If anybody's been watching the, uh, the Monday videos that Neil shares, this is, the, this is the guy in those. Invite us into community and move us from information into shared action and practices. For me, I wrote down here that it is visible purity of the heart expressed. How can we express what's inside, outside? And he finished by saying this. We don't enter the kingdom of God merely by thinking about it or listening to one another talk about it. We have to experiment together with how to apply the teaching of Jesus to the details of our lives. So can I invite you this morning? With the purity of heart, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Can I suggest that God wants us to do this as a community together? That he wants us to encourage each other on how we can be pure at heart so that people will see Jesus through us. 
For me, when I read Jesus in, uh, about Jesus in the New Testament, I see that he was full of good habits and good rhythms. And for some of you, this may not be the key. But for me, I know that I need rhythms and I need habits in my life. And so in his book, he suggests that we don't start off with uh, 10 new habits that we're going to do for three years. He says, why don't you pick one thing? Say, for instance, you're struggling to read the word. Why don't you say, for one week, I'm going to read two verses in the morning, and I'm going to meditate on them, and I'm going to take them in, and then I'm going to talk to my friends about it. I'm going to ask people questions about it. I'm going to say, God, will you speak to me through this? And at the end of the first week, try it again. He's saying start it in small things, a new practice. Or maybe it's for you each morning taking five or ten minutes to say, Lord, what are you saying to me? And you know what's great? If you zip your mouth and don't say anything more. As you start to listen for the voice of God. Because you know what I found in those moments where I stop? When I start to listen? I feel like God starts to talk to me about my blind spots. I find that he starts to remind me of the way I just shouted at the kids because they're not getting ready for school quick enough. If I stop long enough, the Father starts to speak to me because he wants me to be pure of heart so that I will see the face of God and others will see him in me today. Whenever I stop long enough, I start to realize the places where I need to be more self-aware and need more accountability. I start to ask myself, how did I come across today to that person who doesn't know Jesus? Did they see the face of God in me? But you know what else a good father does when we spend time listening to him? He starts to remind me, son, this is who I've called you to be. This is what I want you to think about yourself today. These are the amazing gifts and talents that I have given you. But I'm more interested in the purity of your heart and in aligning with me than all the things that I'm calling you to do. When we look in the dictionary, the word pure means not mixed. Not mixed and in tune. And I believe that there are simple, small little things that we can do to help us be in tune with the Spirit of God that leads to purity of heart and visible display of the Father. And so can I encourage you this week, if there's something in your life that you want to start a new formation, a new exercise, you know, what does the word exercise mean? It means you have to actually do something. Usually you break a sweat. It means it's a sacrifice because purity of heart means a change of habits. It means new patterns. It means doing, thinking, and being in a new way because you are a new creation. 
It means offering your body as a living sacrifice. Every day I have proclamations that I do in the evening and I start off by asking myself, what have I sacrificed today? What have I sacrificed for the Father today? For you, it could be, the new steps could be this, your habits of prayer, your habits of reading the word, meditating, your habits of silence, your habits of giving, the way you show mercy, the way you have patience, because all of these things that are laid on the, with the foundation of the Holy Spirit and starting in the morning, Father, talk to me. Holy Spirit, lead me. People will see a visible display of the living God. And one of the most important places we can start is from a place of honesty. I believe it goes back, right back to the beatitude of the poverty of spirit. I think the purity of heart is linked with the poverty of spirit where we come and we get on our knees and say, Father, I cannot go any further on this journey without you. I cannot do anything more without you. I keep doing it well on the outside. I get on for a couple or two or three weeks, but you know what? I need you on a daily basis. What is it that's going to lead to the purity of heart that's going to lead to people seeing you face to face? In, uh, in the message, Neil got me onto this this week, in the message it says, Aunt me, this is King David, Aunt me, I plan on looking you full in the face. When I get up, I'll see your full stature and live heaven on earth. Because of seeing you face to face, I will live heaven on earth. And the same in another translation, as for me, because I am innocent, I will see your face. Until I see you for who you really are, then I will awaken with your form and be fully satisfied, fulfilled in the revelation of your glory in me. So let's stand our feet. We're going to, do, we're going to worship. But can we, ask, can we ask that question this morning as we come to worship? God, help me to see you for who you really are. Help me to see you for who you really are. And will you give me revelation of you living in me? Give me revelation. Ask God, show, where are you working in me? So Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place this morning. Father, I ask that forgiveness for those times where people have not seen you face to face because I have blocked the way. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right, then you can see God in the outside world. Amen.